All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. And we are going to be recapping week five in the NFL for FanDuel and DraftKings, some betting stuff as well. Uh, looking ahead to week six uh, with what we have coming down the pike. Kind of a weird week with the schedule. We get another London game, but it's at 930, so we can talk about that. Um, but I, I know we st- usually start try to start off here with thoughts on week five, buddy. I know that uh, our DraftKings, and line- I cannot believe our DraftKings line of cash. We did not have Will Fuller in cash and somehow still got there in like the big double ups, which just seems completely improbable. FanDuel had no problem, had another very strong week there. You know, outside of that, you know, what did you do? You think we kind of got what we expected? It was a mo- what a monster scoring week in week five. Yeah, well, it was fascinating. I did want to actually break down the Will Fuller situation because I think this is a pretty interesting uh, case study in evaluating our process, right? Because yeah. there were some people in our chat murmuring around uh, that Will Fuller was a good cash game play on DraftKings, and incidentally, he went. So it's not like we were we weren't unaware that Will Fuller was going to have some ownership on DraftKings, but I still want to break down like exactly how you should look at that going into the week, right? So, and what kind of credit you should give people, I guess, that that wind up with plays like Will Fuller. So I don't think anyone going into the week was saying, dude, Will Fuller at 4,500 is an absolute crime and this guy should have 100% ownership because he could go for 200 yards today. I think the reason he was a good play was he was already sort of getting targets per game, right? He was getting seven targets-ish a game. And then the reason, if the reasoning though is just that Kenny Stills is going to miss, I still don't feel like Will Fuller needed to be as highly owned as he did, frankly. And I know that's a silly, sounds like a silly position to take after he goes off for 217 yards on 14 catches for three touchdowns. But um, yeah, I guess I like, even though he went off, I still didn't feel bad about not having him in our cash game lineups with the way they would have had to look had we played them. Does that make sense? Or totally. do, I, do I sound like someone who just has sour grapes here? Or do you kind of understand what I'm getting at there? Oh, 100%. We had him for like seven and a half targets. I thought our projection on him was fine. Uh, like just judging by some median and uh, mean kind of stuff and just like where they were generally going to go. Uh, we redistributed Stills' targets a little bit more to DeAndre Hopkins than to Fuller. We had a healthy projection on him. It's just one of those, one of those like when you have out in Tate and Tyler Eifert at some point, you just don't need another $4,500 guy. And I think that's where our optimizer was going sort of like, we, well, cause those guys Eifert and, and Tate were even cheaper, right? Like they were like 3000 or something. Yeah. Yeah. They were cheaper. They were, they were instantly both higher. Ah, uh, no, uh, out and Tate was higher owned than, uh, than out and Tate was higher owned than Fuller who was higher owned than Eifert. Like that was the descending order of ownership on those three in DraftKings. I, I thought the process wise yeah. was fine. Look, you're gonna, sometimes you're going to sort of swing and miss on those guys. We get made up for it by having just Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey in those spots. Uh, so I just, again, it didn't end up really killing us, which is kind of unbelievable. I, I had gone into the week, especially in chat saying we were in the, we were, lining up for a huge scoring week like that one i was sure you of. did yes you yeah i was like i just was there's just too many good plays like that was that we said this in the podcast leading on all three podcasts leading up to last week we said we were having not trouble just you know picking out of the bums we we're having trouble picking out of the, the high price guys and when that's the case like you're just in for a big scoring week there's no doubt about it because you're going to land on a certain you're going to land on enough combinations of and i didn't think it was going to be because you know will fuller and some like guys like this and deshaun watson was another chalky guy we had him he was kind of debating him uh, and Lamar Jackson on FanDuel. Uh, it was kind of like a one-two kind of thing, sort of dealer's choice where he wanted to land on those two guys. But anyway, there was just too many good spots. Uh, well, I don't think we have the same exact problem going into this week just because 
There's a couple, there's one, two more extra teams on buys. There's this uh, London game. So the main slate's actually going to be a much smaller main slate than we're used to seeing. And there's just not as many. Uh, th- and things don't look as spread out. Now, I thought the process was fine. Um, you know, I feel better about the process because the lineups end up getting there anyway. So that's one of those, like, well, I feel better. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if it had been a different outcome d- down the line if I would have felt different. But yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't too worried about it. I was. I mean, in the moment, but it does. It does speak to one thing. I, I want to say. I want to that. I think it does speak to though is that you know people often talk about who's going to be chalk. You know who's going to be highly owned and who isn't. The reason for cash games that you don't mind being on the chalk on those cheaper speculative plays is because things like the Will Fuller thing can happen. Because, like, for instance, say Auden Tate had been the guy who caught 14 balls for 250 yards and two touchdowns or whatever. Like, you can't really give us credit for that because we would have never suggested that he was going to do anything like that, right? right? Um, And had we known, and I think we knew that Will Fuller would be highly owned, but I don't think we thought he would be quite as overwhelming chalk uh, as as he wound up being. We probably should have checked over on Fanshare uh, to see, because I think they actually uh, did project that he would have high ownership for big tournaments. But um, but the fact that we wind up choosing one punt guy, the field goes with a different punt guy. Well, no, the field went with both. The, the field went with both. That's what I'm saying. The field went, like the field, the, 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 the highest projected ownerships were Fuller and Tate together. Um, and then, you know, that ends up being something like, 40% of cash games or something like that had those guys together, if I'm doing the math correct on that. So that's where... that's Wait, 40% together? So Tate... I can't recall what Tate's ownership was now. Like 75% or something. And then oh, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But that's, So what I'm saying is, though, that we prioritize that cheap play with Eifert, and then we just didn't... Ha- we didn't feel the need to have that leftover salary at the end on Fuller as well. That's all so, I'm saying. That's what I was saying. It was just like a numbers game. Like, it right. just ended up being Eifert over, full, over Fuller. That's all. So anyway, all right, let's move on to some other... Let's right, right, right. So... Can I, can I finish my thought, please? I thought you did. On my bad. I thought you, fin- I thought you finished. Go ahead. So, but basically, my the only point I wanted to make here is that that is the reason. Like, if you hear us on our cash game podcast, you know, trying to suss out where ownership is, a lot of times things are just so close. Like when it comes to our football lineups, I think our second overall lineup was 0.03 points behind the first overall lineup. So just an absolute razor thin margin. And so that's why I think if you're looking to lower your variance, you know, you only get 16 weeks of football, 17 weeks of football during the regular season a year. I think that's the good case for it is that why bother exposing yourself to all that variance if you don't have to? And like you said, we get there. Our, that brings our record up too, Doug, before you move on to an eight and two on main slate cash games for FanDuel and DraftKings this year. And we're going to be doing a giveaway that I'm going to send out on email this week. 82 bucks for the rest of the season for NFL. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, that's a significant discount over our monthly rate. So look out in your email, uh, or you can head on over to dfsr.com slash deals. Uh, you can click on the rest of the season tab. This deal will only last a week. So uh, if you do want that deal to celebrate our 8-2 and two start to the season for 82 bucks, uh, head on over and check it out. That's too cheap. So I'm glad you didn't run that by me first because I think I would have said it's too, too cheap. <laughs> All right, let's talk about... Uh, well, I'm in charge of that kind of stuff, Doug. I don't, I don't feel the need to run that kind of thing by you. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, a couple things. I wanted to get into some of these bets in a second talk about our, some of our mybookie.ag bets from last week uh, and going into this week. We'll get into that in one second. But I got to bring this up first. Uh, this Christian McCaffrey thing, dude. I, like, he's not, on, he's not on the main slate this week, which actually, it's funny because this guy was such an auto lock at this point. Like, th- I think he could be like 10,000. I think we'd still be like, we just have to do it. Um, we're sa- not saved. I-, I feel like I wish he was on here because I still feel, I, even if he had seen, if he had seen that price increase, which he did, I think people would have started talking themselves out of him maybe or something. But it, it, so real quick, just a overall um, stat from a historical perspective right now, 
if he continued this pace, the Panthers could sit him week 16 or week 17, and he would still be on pace to break the all-time yards from scrimmage record that Chris Johnson set uh, in 2007. He is he's something like 400 yards, no, 300 yards over the pace right now. Uh, on the yards per scrimmage thing, so he would he would end with nine. I did the math before, and I just I deleted. I just kept the note that he's on pace. I think if he pl- he's on a fifteen week pace to break to break the record by ninety yards, he's on a sixteen week pace to beat it by you know whatever that ends the extra is like extra two hundred yards or something like that that he's averaging. So yeah, so he's on like a three hundred yard extra pace. Have we? Which which just the reason I'm bringing it up is because when we say things like we haven't seen this pace before. We just haven't really right. seen this pace before. <laughs> like this is this is outside the bounds of things we've seen. What is there an upper limit on his price in terms of safety right now? That just he plays every snap, he just gets every carry, he's tar- gets every target. He's a great wide receiver and great running back wrapped into one. Like, is there an upper limit on this price in terms of safety for you at this point with him? We kind of just don't need to do it. But if you're playing the the Thursday through Monday slate, you do. What are your thoughts here, on McCaffrey? Quick. Yeah, no, you can get an upper limit on the price, but. FanDuel and DraftKings are very reluctant to move guys into that neighborhood, so we wind up not ever realizing that upside. Uh, in the case like McCaffrey, you know, we, we were talking about him going into this week. And one of the discussions we were having, we've had this the last couple of weeks actually, is like, well, can you really go up for McCaffrey? Because then you have to, you know, pay down a little bit at these other positions. And the case has been correct to do it every week so far. So I think the 9,700 that you need to play in what should be a pretty high-flying matchup with Tampa Bay is it's starting to push it. Uh, I would I would want to run lineups and really see how it all came together. But yeah, I mean, the guy is truly in a, in a league of his own. I think the reason you might not this week, again, if you're looking at cash games, uh, the other matchup with Tampa Bay was his by far worst game of the season, worst by 22 fantasy points. Uh, so if there's a case against it, that would be it. But yeah, I, I mean, the reason people are going to play this Thursday slate or Thursday to Monday slate is probably just to play McCaffrey. So um yeah, that's that's my my general advice to you is that yeah the DraftKings those things expect high ownership. The DraftKings price eighty six hundred total joke. I uh, like he's a hundred more than Zeke Elliott. Yeah. That makes no sense. They just sleep at the wheel on this price. I don't know what to tell you. At least it's rare that this is the case where Fanduel gets. I mean, I guess Fanduel's really tightened up some of their pricing algorithms in the last couple of years. So uh, I, maybe mm-hmm. it's not as different as I, I was expecting it. But the total total just total mistake of a price uh, on DraftKings. We have him for six or five more points than the next highest guy. Let me roll through now. I get to the bets first here. The my bookie bets. Uh, uh, we went into we had a kind of a head-to-head bet last week. We did this on mybookie.ag uh, we, on uh, the Giants and Vikings. I get steamrolled on that bet. Uh, I thought the Giants would cover at home. They didn't even come close. It really should have. They should have lost by more. Like the Minnesota fumbled the ball on the one-yard line by Cook. So uh, really should have lost by more. Did love the San Francisco bet uh, for over Cleveland. Uh, that was one of our at least the, our early betting systems highest games or, like, or um, most confident picks going into last week, and that, that one they easily covered. You want to hear some that I have for this week from my bookie? I have a couple that I'm going to roll off. We'll get more of them to the game by game. Uh, you ready? You can, you, yeah, give me a couple. Okay. So, by, by the way, mybookie.ag, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. They're going to double your deposit up to $100 for first-time depositors if you use that promo code. So O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E is one way you can really support the podcast. Use the promo code over at my bookie.ag buddy here's i've already had these ones in on my bookie ready detroit going Mm -hmm. into green bay plus four and a half 
Green Bay coming off the big win against Dallas, but Detroit looked really good against KC, and then they're two weeks off. Uh, we have a two-week uh, off because of the bye. Mm. Do you like this one? I know they're going on the road in the Green Bay. That's a tough place. I feel like a little low on, on how maybe that Detroit might be actually kind of decent this year and Green Bay coming off the win. What are your th- quick thoughts on that first one? Um, I, I don't think I would go in and get it. I know you're, you're hyped on the old, this team just had two weeks to prepare uh, kind of vibe. I think that's a reasonable take. I don't think I'm there with you. I mean, Green Bay, uh, the plus 26-point differential in spite of a pretty tough schedule so far this year. Detroit, yeah, they gave Kansas City a hard time. They also tied Arizona, who looks just dead to the world. So, I, uh, yeah, I can't I can't say I can sign off on that one, buddy. Keep going. Let's see okay. if you can impress me with some of these other ones. It's all right. You, you, if you don't like these, by the way, you just go into my bookie and just go the other way. So, it's not, you don't, you're not... You're not I don't have to, actually. I don't have to do that. I can stay away. But, yes, in the interest of supporting our sponsor, I, I was I'll talk- play some bets. I just don't know that the, I'm going to bet on this one. Buddy, we're doing a live read here. We don't need you dissuading people. I'm, say, I'm talking to the, I'm talking <laughs> to the listeners. All right, the other one is Atlanta goes in and plays Arizona. Right now, Atlanta is... Uh, minus one on the road against Arizona. I don't think that uh, everyone's completely understanding that Arizona is just this bad. I know that Atlanta's been pretty bad, too. They've been getting really run up on by other quarterbacks. We're going to definitely talk about this game when it comes to the Cash Game podcast. But I love uh, get, or I love the minus one here for Atlanta. I think they easily cover this on the road. Thoughts real quick on Arizona like just being maybe a, maybe just worse than we even suspect, and they've been pretty bad. Yeah, I like Atlanta too. Um, I'm not so worried about those rabid Cardinals fans being at home and like making life hell for them or anything. So I, I can sign off on that one. Um, I thought you were going to say my favorite bet of the week. I think maybe by far is uh, the Chiefs against the Texans. The Texans, I think they they're coming off the big week where they put up tons of points. The Chiefs coming off their worst week. The Chiefs only minus five at home against the Texans, implying that this is like only a, a team that's two points better than the Texans on a neutral field. That's ridiculous. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, I was, the only five. thing I was worried a little bit about that was that there maybe just comes a point where the Chiefs just start running out of guys. Like Sammy Watkins is hurt if Tyreek Hill doesn't come back. Like they just are, uh, they're just kind of maybe just running out of bodies. But I, I get you. The minus five for the way the Chiefs historically have played offense uh, d- did strike me as a little low. And we've been using a new betting system, uh, and that does like that bet as well. So uh, I can definitely get into it. They, uh, our system has them winning by seven. Anyway, mybookie.ag. We'll talk a little bit more about this on the game by game. You use the promo code overtime, O V E R. T-I-M-E. You're good to go. You like what you hear? You put them in. You disagree with us? You think we're donkeys? You put it way against it. Either way, uh, you're good to go for Sunday. Uh, Take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go, and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the App Store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Once again, Vivid Seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. All right, let's get into some of the injury news and notes. There really weren't that many uh, from the grand scheme of things from Week 5. Brandon Cooks entered the concussion protocol, ended up not coming back. Um, that could have ramifications on the passing game. We'll kind of see how that plays out. Watkins, like we mentioned for the Chiefs, did leave the game. Never even stepped on the field, I don't think. Had a hamstring issue that was different than the uh, issue that he was questionable for, which I think was a shoulder. So who knows with him. They might get Tyreek Hill back. But the big one, dude, this week, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph, he took a hit this week. Um, I'm I'm stumbling here because this was, without hyperbole, I thought there was a non-zero chance 
that we had watched like the first the first NFL player die in the field on this hit. Like he gets hit. If you didn't see this um, watching the game on Sunday, they kind of cut away from it in the game pretty quickly. They talked. They showed a little bit more of the hit and less of that the aftermath. But he gets hit. He's clearly just passed out on his feet. Um, he he hits the ground, but it's really the reaction after that. The players are fully panicked, um, and I think they maybe thought there was a chance he was dead. Like they were pressing on his chest a little bit. Juju Smith Schuster practically passes out on the side. He has like a reaction where he falls to his knees to his side. I guess from like a overall standpoint, the fact that we could even believe this could happen in a game, like does it say something like on a like a, on a sort of philosophical level about football? I don't want to get too deep here, but this really affected me. Like I had. You know me, buddy, with injuries. I, I The injuries, they, they get to me. I really struggle with this. This one, I had a full-blown, almost panic attack that we had seen a death in the field. Does that say something about the sport, you think? I mean, is this still, does that make sense what I'm saying? I hate to like turn sort of like the macabre here um, uh, on the podcast, but I felt like it was sort of like this almost a seminal This is why people tune in for our daily fantasy analysis and our, our big picture look at the morality of the NFL as a whole. Um, yeah, so <laughs> and you don't need to line these up for me. I'm going to have to give you my answer, which is that I do think it's pretty insane that uh, the biggest sport in the United States is one where the players' lives are at risk. Yes, I do think that's kind of weird. I, I don't think it's unfair to compare football to boxing uh, in the past where like we sort of all know that this is going to have serious detrimental health effects for many of the participants involved. So uh, they're willing to take the risk. They're happy to get the paycheck and go after it. I don't think too many of these guys are being forced to play at gunpoint or anything. So they're adults and they can make the call. But yeah, it certainly is upsetting when you see something like this happen. Yeah, uh, I had like a physical reaction to it. I had like, I started sweating, almost passed out. Um, anyway, I I, th- I get a little, I think I maybe get a little too wrapped up in the injury part. I just hate when people get injured. But uh, I did. How want- does it affect the, the Steelers going forward here, Doug? That's the question I'd like to ask you. There's, they stink. I, like they brought in Devin Hodges. Um, <laughs> like they're on their, they, they were doing wildcat stuff with Jalen Samuels. You had to downgrade the entire offense. Um, they're way behind. The defense looked pretty bad too. I, like I, I mean, just from a fantasy perspective, this is basically I, I, this is basically the end of their guys as I think fantasy viable for the foreseeable future. Stranger things and all with these quarterbacks, but we're pretty far down the depth chart at this point. So um, I just don't think uh, with Rudolph's not going to come back, and Roethlisberger's obviously out for this season. Uh, I just don't think. I mean, am I wrong there? I, I don't think that this. Uh, no. I don't think. I mean, it doesn't help their chances for sure. They do play. Uh, they do play on the main slate this week. Oh, do they? No, no. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about that. They're where are they? Where do, I'm stumbling here. Because, oh yeah, no, never mind. They're the Sunday night game against the Chargers. Only six and a half point uh, underdogs there on the road. I, that seems kind of weird to me. All right, let's get into some of the performances. We went kind of long in the betting and the other stuff. FanDuel and DraftKings. Sure did. Um, any? I mentioned the McCaffrey piece to you. We talked about Will Fuller. I guess we did talk about some of the bigger ones. What else stood out to you this week? And as we go into week six. Are we looking at sort of a dearth of these running backs that we can kind of trust as every down guys? There's no McCaffrey here. And I feel like we've had a couple weeks now, like, you know, Marlon Mack needs to be winning the game. We've seen it. David, David Montgomery, they need to be winning the game for these guys to, like, perform. Where are we with these running backs? Does the list continue to just get shorter on guys that we can trust as every down backs going forward? David Johnson now questionable going into week six as well. Yeah, running back, I think, is a, is a fine place to start. This week we had seven running backs carry the ball 20 times or more. And when I look at the names on this list, not many of them strike me as like 
guys you can just plug in regardless of the matchup. So it was Marlon Mack, who I think we know now you can take when the game script in his favor, except for the one week we played him on DraftKings. That was, you couldn't play him that week. Uh, other, other weeks he's been fine. Uh, Chris Carson, kind of in that same category. Josh Jacobs, uh, pretty much exactly the same, except with Oakland, you never know when those good games are going to be. Sometimes they're against the Bears when you never would have expected it. And other times they stink even when they're favored, so who knows. Uh, Leonard Fournette, we've been beating that drum for a while. Uh, we were beating it going into this week as well. And I, I'm going to submit that he's still in that group. Uh, 30 plays drawn up for him this week, 137 yards and a touchdown. Um, Dalvin Cook, who I think is is well-regarded as in that yes. non-Christian McCaffrey top tier. Then Carlos Hyde, yikes, Derrick Henry, and that's it. And so I'm continuing to see week after week that they're really, that, that list of guys who you can just expect to get the ball you know, have 20 plays drawn up for them over the course of a game is just so exceedingly small that when you can get guys like that, whether it's McCaffrey, even Fournette, I'm going to I'm gonna throw them out there week after week after week, um, that that list is so small that prioritizing those guys is at an all-time high importance. Like, we're not seeing we're not seeing regularity among the guys who show up at the top of this list outside of a very select group, and so that's how I'm approaching running back as we push forward here. It's like Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey... You know, maybe for net in a decent matchup, and then I'm, I'm just looking for great matchups, and that's it. What if I told you, I'm gonna say, do you have dreams? I know I do. Here we go. What if I told you <laughs> that you could get the eighth most expensive DraftKings running back, the tenth most expensive Fanduel running back, and this running back was second in the league on touches per game. That's uh, carries and, and receiving targets. McCaffrey's at first with 29. This guy, this mystery player, mm-hmm. is 25.75 touches per game. And he's he's eighth and tenth respectively on those two sites in terms of pricing. Would you be interested, James? I'm trying to figure out who it is. Is it is it Fournette? Nope. Hmm. Five seconds. Anyway. Is it Marlon Mack? Nope. He has a lot of carries too. Nope. Now who's it? Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell is averaging twenty-five point seven five touches per game. So um, he's got seventy-one carries on the season. He's only seventy-one carries in the season, but he has thirty-two targets. And but again, they had a bye week already, so he's only he's only played four games. If that number sounds low to you, um, at what point does a bad player like this just, and especially like in PPR, they I know they're on the back of quarterback. There's some chance Darnold comes back this week. By the way, I don't. You'd have to figure that helps the Jets a little bit at least. Um, at some point, does the usage just trump that he's on a bad team and He's just so cheap compared to these other guys. Like he's in this other zone of like is, is it just the team is too bad and they just keep giving him the ball and these touches just are worth so much less than everybody else? What are your thoughts on Bell here, real quick? Because the usage is is in that group of guys that you just mentioned. Yeah, so the touches are lousy, or, or the touches are incredible, but the fact the quality of the touches is very bad. Uh, when we look at the matchups, though, I hate to be this guy, but <laughs> you know Buffalo, good defense. Yep. At New England, terrible. Obviously. Yep. Some people are calling it historical defense. At Philly, we just saw Philly drop a 30-burger uh, in terms of fantasy points this last week. Um, I think you could argue that he's had a really tough schedule so far. Now, I don't know that you could say it gets like, a lot easier going up against Dallas this week necessarily, but I think if you look at that Cleveland game, and you can sort of start to picture the upside, which is that he just touches the ball 30 times. Especially the, the touches catching the ball at the backfield actually have been pretty high quality. You know, from game to game, five yards a catch, six yards, seven yards a catch. I think you can make a case for it. I don't know if I would be excited to do it necessarily. I don't think you're looking at those steel, former Steelers Le'Veon Bell where you're going to get 30 touches and 220 yards. But if you're looking in that bottom tier of price guys, you know, the guys under 7,000 
and you're just sort of in a position where you have to make the money work, he's probably my favorite of that group, although it's it's a little too early to tell. Uh, we haven't written up the cash game article just yet, but yeah, I'm, I'm not averse on its face. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think that I just found that it was nuts when I saw the overall touches per game. Like I was, I, I knew that he had been touching the ball a lot, um, but the, some of these like carries, specifically like I said, the targets. The targets are really uh, what's getting up there toward like almost like a wide receiver type guy. Your guy, I want your opinion on here real quick. He played almost every snap. I think he played 90% of the snaps last week. Didn't touch the ball a ton, but they were in a shootout. He's only 6,200 on DraftKings this week, and he's a four-point favorite at home, although this line it was an opening line, and I think it's probably going to change after the San Francisco win. It's Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, 6,200 on DraftKings on a week where, again, like I said, there's no McCaffrey. Some of these other running backs just aren't around. The list of guys that you maybe can sort of quote-unquote trust seems low, and then some of these other guys just have do have some bad matchups this week. Like Cook goes into Philly, Alvin Kamara goes into Jacksonville. Give me your quick thoughts on Todd Gurley, kind of based on last weekend, the way they've used them. I was encouraged by the snap count. I'm still a little worried about the, the overall volume. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly worried about the volume myself. Uh, nice to see 20 plays get drawn up for him this week. 15 carries, 5 targets. Uh, I really like that he's getting the touchdowns now. Like, that was in question early in the season, and that was pretty disconcerting. But in terms of actual yards per touch, he's worse than Le'Veon Bell, and he's more expensive. <laughs> so uh, you'd like to see that they're favorites. He'll probably wind up getting more touches in this game than like his median on the season, which I think is held down by them sort of easing him back into things early in the season. At least I'd like to think so. I think there's going to be some people, like if Gurley is going to turn back into the guy that they trust for 25 touches a game, some people are going to make a lot of money off of guessing early or guessing when to play him a week early. Do you want to be in that boat though? Like you want to be sitting there with Todd Gurley when he's got five carries and two targets after the first half? Um, like how would that feel to you? Or, if, or put it differently. <laughs> feel bad. If we had Gurley and he was, if he was 13, yeah, he would feel bad if he was bad. That makes sense. But put, put differently. If it was first, you know, halftime, he's got whatever amount of carries, but he's 13% owned. You know, are you happy to, if we wind up with Gurley at 10% or less ownership or are you terrified? Uh, I wouldn't be terrified because I feel like he he's unlikely to bomb, but um, I, I wouldn't feel great about it. I, I, I feel a little better on DraftKings like just because of the 6200 price than FanDuel, I think, just because of some of the receptions, but I could be wrong about that. All right, let's move into wide receiver. Unless you had any more thoughts on running back. I, we kind of rolled through a bunch of names, some from a – got a little in-depth on some, kind of just glossed over some of that. Any final thoughts on running backs? We can move into wide receivers. No, uh, wide receiver though, I do have a ton of thoughts on. I, like my general question to you is, are we just seeing a full-on changing of the guard in terms of the big wide receivers? Uh, you know, we talked about going into last week. My position was that, you know, the good wide receivers were good, and that at some point we would see them start turning a corner, and it just still hasn't happened. You know, we're five weeks into the season now. Among the guys that would have been picked in that like top first two rounds in terms of just regular fantasy. Really, only Michael Thomas has delivered, right? I mean, and a lot of that, you know, his season-long fantasy total is buoyed by just his last week, which was absolutely incredible. But, you know, you get Julio Jones. He's the 10th highest scoring fantasy wide receiver this season. And then after that, you know, in terms of that, DeAndre Hopkins, um, you know, Julio, T.Y. Hilton. Odell. That group. Beckham was in there. Odell, Tyreek Tyreek Hill hurt, obviously. Um, Devontae Adams, you know, like all these guys. They're either hurt, bad, or both. And uh, yeah, so my question to you is, I mean, we've been, thankfully, I think most of the reason we're on 
an eight and two record to start the season in cash is that we haven't played a big name wide receiver once all season. No. Uh, is that a trend you can see going forward? Uh, and likewise, what about this new crop? You know, the Chris Godwins, Amari Coopers of the world. Uh, what are you seeing right now in the wide receiver? Yeah, list? I think you're right. I think we have avoided the Julio Joneses and all these other guys to start the season. The closest we came, I mean, Keenan Allen's maybe the closest we got to that group in terms of price against the Dolphins three weeks ago. Uh, and then oh, we played Michael Thomas this week. Well, Thomas wasn't priced like that though. Like problem, Thomas wasn't priced in that group. He was he was a little bit lower. Anyway, yeah, we did. It was seventy seven hundred on FanDuel. He was only sixty six hundred on DraftKings, which seemed like a joke, kind of the yeah. way they were using him. Again, like that was what kind of saved our saved our hides um, during the week. I. Look, the, these, the top of this group has shifted a little bit. Like Godwin is now the highest-scoring DraftKings wide receiver. I still think that he, you know, he's seeming safe. <laughs> he had a huge week last week, so uh, that, that's a little... Yeah. Cup seems so safe at this point. Cup is like, he is um, killing everybody in targets. At the, like, this is crazy because this was Keen, he and Keenan Allen just like swapped basically over the last three weeks, or last two weeks. But Cup has 63 targets. The next closest guy is Thomas at 57. So he's t- more than, or he's like, yeah, more than 10% higher in terms of targets than the next closest guy, which is just nuts. Like, again, part of that was that 500, they've played, they've been playing catch up in some of these games. But if Cooks is out again, though, he's running these, uh, I don't know, I mean, he's running out of the slot so much. He feels, he feels pretty damn safe, and the price hasn't completely moved on him either he's not on the main slate this week oh no excuse me he is on the main slate um he got did get priced up a little bit yeah i think this just, i think we're just looking at a new group i i we're gonna look there's gonna be a time where julio joe's has a big game like deandre hopkins has a big game for sure but we just seen on a week-to-week basis this just isn't the plan as much for these teams these other guys are either they're just seeing the best coverage and these other guys are open or these teams are just scheming better to just you know have more players in play like i'm not an x's and o's guy like that, so I can't say on a team by team basis what the differences are. But so, and some of these teams are supporting multiple guys. Like Michael Gallup had a huge game too for the for the Cowboys. I think at this point, what you're probably doing with wide receiver is just taking. It's so simple, I guess, but the most targets for the cheapest. I I, I hate to, I, I hate to just put it like stupidly like that, but right, like I like Michael Thomas is. I guess he's 7,800. Tyler Boyd, 6,300 going this week. Gallup, 56. These guys are all could be double-digit target guys. Am I roundabout answering your thing here? I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but I agree with you that <laughs> I, I do agree with you that like no, that, think, that top group I, is I out. I think you're kind of you're you're hitting on something. I think the the thing I was trying to drill down on was that we've been able to get elite target share without paying elite wide receiver prices, yes. and I think that has really been the key that unlocks the whole lineup. Because what happens is. When you can get guys in this, you know, 6,700 to 7,700 range on FanDuel, you wind up with guys like Tyler Boyd, you know, all the way up to the Keenan Allen earlier this season, Michael Thomas this week, that there's just been so much value in that mid-range that that has opened up the availability to continue continue to pay Christian McCaffrey, uh, to pay up at quarterback when that's been correct. So, yeah, I think, you know, from week to week, it's been... It's been correct every single week so far to go in the mid-range. And then the big question will be, at some point, like if they find efficient pricing for these guys and they're no longer in the mid-range, like you're seeing Godwin and Cooper, you know, they've crossed that $8,000 threshold. Uh, Michael Thomas, now the third highest uh, salaried player on FanDuel this week. So you're seeing these numbers continue to tick up. And at some point you'll be like, okay, well, you know, Cooper Cup, 7,800, he's just not mid-range anymore. We have to turn elsewhere. But yeah, right now, I think the getting is still good. You know, we haven't written up our cash game article just yet. And now those receivers in the $6,600 range aren't quite looking as attractive. Like maybe you go down and you grab Will Fuller this week, uh, even though the price has come up a little bit. But yeah, it's a pretty, it's been a pretty fascinating wide receiver landscape. Um, Well, the thing is, you know, because the the names that are at the top, they're 
they're not the names we're used to seeing, but they are names that you could have guessed could get here, if that makes sense. Like, you know, tons of preseason buzz about Godwin. Uh, we've been talking about Cooper Cup for more than a year. These guys, Michael Thomas, I, I just don't, this guy's an absolute machine. The fact that he can continue to catch 11 balls on 13 targets with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback instead of Drew Brees, this guy's just an absolute specimen out there. So I, I think you can still get wide receiver safety without paying the top tier prices. But it's just weird that the names are just totally different than they have been in the past. And, and, and you know, to, I credited FanDuel a minute ago, but I'll go against them now. Like they still have Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins as the two highest priced wide receivers. That's stupid. Like they are not even making a choice there at this point where these guys, right? Like they're not downgrading them. Right. They're not downgrading them nearly enough based on, they're just keeping them there. I think just because something is you know in their system that says this is Julio Jones this is like it's almost like they're they're wired in there from their ADP or something because it's a joke that these guys right. compared to Thomas compared to Cup like that these guys like the Cup would be a thousand no excuse me seven hundred less than Julio Jones this year makes no sense he's absolutely destroying him and from a fantasy perspective every game too it's not on the back of like one game he's just having huge game after huge game with all these catches like even Chris Godwin like. Where's uh, where I I missed where Godwin was? Is he not on the main slate? I'm all confused. I'm all flustered now because this thing. Uh, Godwin's not on the main slate. Um, yeah, there. That's the London game. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, but like, still the point. The point stands is that like it's almost like their price. The, the price never came down off the algorithms to start the season. Yeah, Godwin eight thousand. So um, he's not even as much as these guys. So I don't know if they just see it as like. Oh, we we can't change it because this is where we started or what? But they don't even make it a decision. So I feel like it's not even like we don't even almost in some ways don't need to discuss it because. They won't drop into like seven thousand. We're like, hmm, now DeAndre Hopkins is interesting. He's just not getting the targets. So I don't know. It's kind of like right. we, we end up not having. It's an interesting discussion, but then when it comes to pricing, maybe it's just not not all that interesting. Any other final thoughts on wide receivers? We can touch on tight ends. Really, tight ends not much to talk about really at all. I don't think um, it's getting to be a pretty boring decision. I mean, Austin Hooper gets a ton of targets. I don't know if there's anything else to talk about. <laughs> talk about <laughs> a tight end. Finish off. Any other thoughts from this week? Uh, from week five, we'll definitely be back. Uh, with our week six cash game plays tomorrow and game by game later in the week as well. But anything else from week five stand out to you? Yeah, I, I, well, I just very, very briefly on tight end. Tight end continues to be an absolute mess. Um, so, you know, the other thing that I think we've strategized pretty well so far this season is not prioritizing paying up a tight end, uh, trying to be on like that lower, you know, middle tier. Um, for all those people out there, I'm looking at you, Lucky Clover 27, or whatever that guy was. Remember that guy on draft.com who would take Travis Kelsey first in every single. Oh, yeah. Uh, Clover, Clover Leaf. Yeah, it was a, I hit a Clover. Clover Leaf. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. I can't remember that guy's name, but um, we've seen, and you know, we, we ran into this week one, so we can't say we avoided it altogether, but paying up a tight end has been a disaster every week in, week out. Um, the most targeted tight end this week, you know, the very well known. Household name of Gerald Everett out of, out of Los Angeles. Um, we still are seeing some consistency in targets on guys like Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper. I suggest I suggest that for cash, that's probably where you want to be going forward. I don't think you want to pay up for the big names, Kittle and Kelsey. They just haven't been there uh, last year. Is just looking like a total aberration at this point in terms of their fantasy production. So uh, that's my big takeaway. Um, yeah, tight end so boring. Uh, you know, it looked early in the season. We were like. Remember early in the season, we were so full of optimism. We were like, hey, we're getting some new names yeah. on the playable tight end list. We're getting Mark Andrews. We're getting Darren Waller. And it's like, oh, actually, that doesn't mean we have six playable tight ends. It just means we have like one or two now. <laughs> right. so, so tight end will keep being a problem. We'll have to uh, check back in later in the week to see where we land there. But right now, I was not, I was not excited about a single 
tight end performance this week. So yeah, right. I'm just looking for the cheap guys. I think I think we're headed back to that same sort of area. There's I, uh, Hooper's yeah. a little bit interesting, I suppose, this week. The price didn't go crazy on him. He's been fairly consistent. Otherwise, um, in terms of their price, I don't think you're getting a ton of value. We didn't talk a ton about quarterbacks. I have a bunch of quarterback thoughts. We'll just save them for the Cash Game podcast because um, there's just some interesting stats I want to throw out there for a couple guys that I, I want to get your opinion on specifically because I think the quarterback decisions will be kind of close this week. We didn't even bother talking about Andy Dalton, who I just wanted to – Oh, I'm just going to get the freaking explicit. I'll have to block that out. Um, Jeez, yeah. the Overtime Media Network is cringing right now. Uh, don't your... worry, I blocked it. No one, heard, no one will have heard what I said because I just exited out. Um, and I will exit out in post. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about it. Andy Dalton just kind of gets there on garbage time touchdowns for us in cash games. Whatever. I do have some other – we have a bunch of quarterback thoughts. And we'll have some more specific thoughts about Week 6 for FanDuel and DraftKings on tomorrow's Cash Game Podcast, and then the game-by-game breakdown that we'll bring to you on Thursday. In the meantime, you can go over to dfsr.com slash deals. You get that deal that James talked about earlier in the podcast, $82 for the rest of the season. That includes our NHL optimizer as well. Basketball coming right down the pike. It's all under one subscription package. So if you grab that now, you're going to be covered for the beginning of those sports as well. Uh, and you're not, you're not going to find a better deal in the, in the industry than that, believe me. Uh, $82 is a total joke. James should not have said that at that price. But dfsr.com slash deals. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you started. Uh, you can also follow us on all major um, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Those things are totally free to do or just rate and review the podcast as well. Those won't cost you a single dollar and they really help us as well. All right. Back to again, back again tomorrow talking cash games for FanDuel and DraftKings. Buddy, enjoy your Tuesday. Peace.